Welcome to Cozy Rainbow Podcast. My name is Tammy. My students know me as Miss Tammy. Shiet Tammy and Shiet. Shiet Joe and Shiet. On today's episode of the Cozy Rainbow Podcast, we are going to talk all about Navajo Code Talkers. And if you've never heard of the Navajo Code Talkers, well, you are in for a treat. I'm always very proud of our, uh, of our, I are because we are both Navajo sitting mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Really uh, very proud of our yeah. So our mom paragraph. Just, our mom just coached us on how to introduce ourselves in Navajo. Thanks, mom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we're gonna get into some trivia questions about the Navajo Code Talkers. So Joe, we're gonna quiz your knowledge. Ready? And I did try to make these hard. So. Oh boy. Number one. Where were the first Navajo Code Talkers? Is it A. Arizona, B. California, C. Utah or D, New Mexico. Right. Well, they're not in California. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give you 10 seconds. I can't believe it, but you gave me a look and now I doubt. I'm what? doubting myself. <laughs> so I'm just going to say Arizona and Arizona. be done with it. Okay. Number two. What does Iwo Jima mean? Iwo Jima is... What? <laughs> Do you know already? What's well, Japanese? Well, yeah, it's Japanese. Is it A, Sulphur Island, B, Sulphur Rock, C, Volcano Island, or D, Volcano Beach? Um, I'll say Volcano Beach. Okay. Good answer. I mean, it's a decent answer. It's fine. It's just as good as any of the other ones because this is just a pretest. Number three, true or false? 29 brave Navajo women and men joined the U.S. Marines to serve as the original Navajo code talkers. I, for whatever, like, I don't doubt the 29 part, but mm-hmm. I, I can't seem to remember if it was actually the Marines because I, in my head, I always think, oh, yeah, the Army. But, like, it makes sense that they would be the Marines. So, mm-hmm. I'll, I, you know, I guess I'll just say true. All right. <clears throat> So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Lots of fun facts about the Navajo Code Talkers. No ad break? Right after this. I mean, with, with further ado, we're, there's a break here right now. Okay, now without further ado, we're going to get into the episode. So the Navajo people were able to help the U.S. Marines in battle. So in 1942, 29 original Navajo code talkers were recruited to develop the unbreakable code. So someone who speaks this Navajo language, so someone like our mother, um, still could not understand this military code. The unbreakable code used the Navajo language. And oh my goodness, if you don't even know, if you don't know who the Navajo people are, um, that would be us. Hi. Hey. Hello. It's nice to meet you. All. The, no, I'm just kidding. We're the second biggest tribe in the U.S. That's true. Second of the Cherokees who have much, much more lax sort of tribal enrollment policies. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole thing in and of itself. But the Navajo people um, are, are located in the four corners for the most part in Which the United States. Which is to States. say Mexico, Arizona. New uh, Mexico. New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, and Colorado. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yes, and 
yeah, Native Americans, not super uh, popular in other parts of the country, just really around these like four corners area. So not a lot of people speak Navajo. So these Navajo code talkers um, invented, they developed the unbreakable code. So the unbreakable code, what they did is they matched each letter of the English alphabet with one Navajo word. And then they added some extra words for planes, ships, and weapons, like special words. With this unbreakable code of the Navajo code talkers, Navajo Marines were able to perfectly transmit classified messages back and forth to each other much faster than other forms of code. Would you like to hear some examples? I would like to hear some examples. One of them is an egg, isn't it? It's like iron egg. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I don't have... I, okay, so my examples that I have are in It's English. been a long time since I've like read up on this. I know like they have one through like three star, meaning... Well, they refer to people. I'm really hazy on the details. Okay. But... Well, let me just give you some examples then. Don't even worry about it, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So these examples are going to be in English because I actually don't speak Navajo. Okay. Because Navajo is not a super popular language. And I don't know. I don't know if you cover it, but. It was, it was classified. It's classified, you see. It, it was classified. So, I mean, it makes sense that it's not like a language that a ton of people speak. Like, anyway. Um, examples of Navajo code. So the word. So, fighter plane was hummingbird, Mm -hmm. dive bomber was chicken hawk, tank was turtle, and the alphabet part of it, I just thought I would spell my name in, like, the code words. So, if you were going to say Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y, you would say turkey, ant, mouse, mouse, yucca. And I think that's really cute and special. And one thing that I think is really interesting about the Navajo Code Talkers is that the Navajo language, it's not like they have words for bombs or fighting or weapons or anything they don't like have, that. They don't have one-to-one words for a lot of stuff. No, it's all, literally all just like nice words about like nature and family, like hello. And then they made this into a war language. You called it cute, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, the language itself is kind of cute, like I said, but yeah, I'm like, dang. Anyway, so, but it was a good idea. So you might be wondering who came up with this idea? How did the Navajo code talkers even become a thing? Well, there was a man named Philip Johnston. He was the son of a missionary who visited the Navajo tribe. So his dad was a missionary. Philip grew up around the Navajo people. And so he knew that Navajo was an unwritten language and with unique sounding words. So I'm going to say that again. Navajo was not a language that was written down. Not yet, anyway. Not yet, anyways. At this point in time, it was not written down. So Johnston also knew the Navajo people were educated um, because of government-established boarding schools on Native American reservations. The missionaries in boarding schools were not very good things overall not very nice places to be for natives navajo people go to the boarding school and then they're not allowed to speak navajo it wasn't it wasn't necessarily meant for like strictly education no a lot of it was made it was meant to to wash the culture away 
In this article I was reading, they just say like there was government established boarding schools. It didn't say that the boarding schools were like not very good environments for native people to be in, which that's a whole other topic. I'd say it's worth another episode, but it's not a very cozy topic. No, it's not very cozy or rainbow at all. So we probably won't get into that, but just know. So the code was unbreakable and difficult to decode by these enemy soldiers because the Navajo words, they don't have a written form at all. So step one, you need someone who speaks Navajo. Yeah. And then you get them in. And you ask them, what are they saying? And they say, uh, mouse, mouse, yucca. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Tur- yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So here, this is how it all started. So with this guy, uh, Philip Johnson, he gathered up three Navajos that he knew in California. Cali- okay. <laughs> Duh. In Los Angeles. So he knew uh, three Navajo people, three Navajo guys from in Los Angeles and he got them. And then he got the fourth guy from uh, the Navy. And this fourth Navajo man was serving in the Navy in San Diego, California. And they tested it out. It went well. The first test, they were able to perfectly understand each other and transmit messages in this Navajo code or with the Navajo language. So then in Camp Elliott, California, the Marines began recruiting Navajos for the Code Talker program. Okay, now I'm going to discuss uh, one of the more, well, I would say the most famous battle using Navajo Code Talkers. So that would be the Battle of Iwo Jima. Iwo Jima, meaning Sulphur Island, is a small island with a black ashy, uh, with black ashy volcanic beaches. Iwo Jima was the largest of all of the volcanic well not it was it still is Iwo Jima is still there okay so let me start over Iwo Jima is the largest of all the volcanic island islands in the archipelago near Japan in 1891 Iwo Jima was claimed by Japan after many Japanese fishermen and miners visited the island okay so Japan they're just minding their own business they have an archipelago, kind of cool, formed by volcanoes, and it's like black, and there's people fishing there, and there's people mining sulfur on this island, mm. and nobody's got an issue. But then, later on, uh, people realize that Iwo Jima is a, like, it's in a great geographic location. Um, it became a very important military stronghold during World War II. The Battle of Iwo Jima took place on February 19th, 1945, between the U.S. Marines and Japanese soldiers. There's a very famous photograph out there um, celebrating kind of the victory of the Battle of Iwo Jima by a photographer named Joe Rosenthal. And it's this picture of a bunch of Marines, like, hoisting up an American flag. You've probably seen it. I honestly, when I was looking at it, I didn't, I didn't recognize it really like it wasn't, no, but it's I a think pretty if, recognizable photo. You know what it looks like? If you've watched like history videos in your class, chances are like in the opening If you paid attention during slideshow, history videos in your class. Like which is the intro of it's in all sorts of history intros, like right? Yeah, you it's all over the place. You Google Iwo Jima the flag. and it will come up. It's it's an icon. Sure. So today Iwo Jima is a part of Tokyo, Japan, but it can only be visited with permission by the US military. So I think, I think that's kind of sad. Like, 
I don't know. It's more complicated than that. But I'm just like, when I think about it being like a part of an archipelago and a volcanic island, and it's like this beautiful, like indigenous language that's only about like turtles and animals and people like, and here we are, what they're, then they make a code to make the birds, animals, and people like talk about blowing stuff up. That's not very, that's not, that's not very cozy rainbow. That's what, that's what I got to say. I, well, uh, uh, World War Two. How about that? It's not very cozy rainbow at all. But what is cozy rainbow is the Navajo Code Talkers. Very cool phenomenon history. So um, these Navajo Code Talkers, super cool. Let's talk about some of the recognition that they received. So in the early days, Navajo Code Talkers could earn normal military awards like the Purple Heart, Silver Stars, or Good Conduct Medals. The Navajo Code Talkers did not and could not receive any special awards for their special bravery and contributions to World War II because the code was a classified military secret. So it makes sense, right? They can't get a special award because it's literally a huge secret. You know, in, in, your, in, in their hearts, yeah, you were the most important guys in the whole war, but unfortunately. Yeah. So Navajo Code Talkers... Uh, who were discharged, such as Chester Nez is one example. Chester Nez was told not to talk about the code once he was discharged. Chester Nez joined when he was 18, and he served as a Navajo code talker. Luckily, he survived until the program was declassified in 1968. So Chester Nez was one of the uh, Navajo code talkers who was able to be recognized for his service and interviewed and all that and there's quotes from him there's a very unfortunately low number of code talkers left to you know relish in the glory of their achievements right yeah especially because it was such a big secret at the time so many navajo code talkers never received the recognition they deserved because they passed away before the program was declassified in 1968 sad it's <laughs> It's it's a lot more than just sad, right? It's a it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy, but it's also very honorable the service that they did. So duty and honor and all that, but also come on. Come on. Yeah. Please. Um they Navajo Code Talkers were recognized for their bravery and contributions in 2000 when the US Congress awarded special gold and silver congressional medals. Um, the gold medals were only given to the original first 29 code talkers. This is a rare piece of history there. Mm. Um, and then there's also Navajo Code Talkers Day, which uh, was established in 1982 by President Ronald Reagan. It's on August 14th. Um, there was a program that came out on NBC, I guess, at the time. And it was really moving and about the Navajo Code Talkers, and it was really inspiring. And then over 17,000 Americans wrote to President Ronald Reagan asking for these Navajo patriots to be recognized. Good people. Solidarity. Okay. Now I'm going to get into some fun stuff, a couple fun, really fun things, if you All ask right. me. There is a G.I. Joe Navajo Code Talker. Yeah? Yeah. So this, uh, it was released in 1999, Hasbro released the G.I. Joe Navajo Code Talker. It's a little action figure, G.I. Joe, and it speaks Navajo and English when you raise one of the arms. So one arm is for Navajo, and then the other arm is for English, I think. Well, what's his name? I don't know. Well, 
Do they all have names? Well, pause it. Pause it. Pause it. I need to know now. Oh, they don't have a name. Joe finds no name. That's it. Just yeah, that's it. He talks. Some I'm retailers. I'm looking at the box. He talks. Some retailers online sell this vintage toy for over a hundred dollars, and you can see videos of the audio of the Navajo Code talker talking. If you, I'm, I'll post one on our website, cozyrainbow.org. If you're not already listening on the webpage. A lot of people listen through the webpage. The toy company Hasbro recorded Dr. Samuel Billison, an actual code talker, mm-hmm. to be the voice of their their code talker. There you go. Okay, so that's a fun fact. Another fun fact is that um, there's a Burger King in Kayenta, Arizona that has a whole display on Navajo code talkers. It's like a mini museum inside of a Burger King. <laughs> Strange place, but yeah. So it'll that's where it gets seen by a lot of people, isn't it? Burger King, yeah, you bet. And they have a big sign out front that says, "Visit the unique World War II Navajo Code Talkers display in Navajo Culture Center at Burger King." Um, in Kayenta, there's about five thousand people that live there, and over ninety percent of the population is Navajo, which is quite rare. Most places, the population of Navajo people is zero percent <laughs> zero to one percent well, you got to be in the right part of the country you got to be in the right part of the country but if it's not on the reservation yeah you're, you're gonna be zero to one percent okay so really fun <sighs> lastly let's talk about some famous navajo code talkers so there was that one that you just said dr billison doc yeah dr billison he was the gi joe official voice of the gi joe navajo code talker yeah we have Lloyd Oliver, was another famous Navajo code talker, I'd say, because he, um, there's a photo of him. There's only like 25 photos. Well, there's more, but like when you look at different photo collections and stuff, there's like a nice like solo portrait image of this Lloyd Oliver. Peter McDonald, um, you can listen to him in Interview with a Navajo Code Talker. If you're looking for a primary source on Navajo code talkers, I would recommend you look up Peter McDonald. Then there's Carl Gorman. Now, this is pretty cool. Carl Gorman received an honorary doctoral degree from the University of New Mexico for his efforts to preserve the Navajo culture. They just I, gave him a doctoral degree. I, it's, that's some good scholarly work, preserving your culture. Yeah, well, I'm not saying, like, they shouldn't have done that. I just think that is so cool. Like, this guy, like, yeah. Good scholarly work, duly rewarded. Duly rewarded. All right, and then this is another one I think is cool. We have Jack Nez. So Jack Nez was one of the first. Jack Nez is the most Navajo-sounding name I've ever heard. I thought, uh, who was the other guy I mentioned? Nez. Is Outside like of like, you know, Yazi and Junior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ch- oh, Chester Nez. I think that one sounds. Yeah, yeah you're probably right, that actually. That one sounds more Navajo, if you ask me. Anyway, Jack Nez, he was one of the first 29 code talkers. He had a son, Glenn Nez, who went on to work for the CIA. And I think that's cool because, um, well, Jack Nez, he actually passed away before, like I said, he was one of the ones who passed away before Navajo Code Talking, the program was declassified. So it was a really big honor for his family when um, the congressional awards were awarded and all that. Then Glenn Nez... um, was able to you know kind of receive his award in his father's honor and 
Um, I think he also mentioned in this interview that it like inspired him. His dad inspired him to go work for the CIA. So I think that's great and cool. Yeah. And wonderful. Yeah. And that's, that's what I got about the Navajo Code Talkers. Yeah. So without further ado, again, <laughs> this time really without it, we're going to get back into those trivia questions and we're going to say the real answers this time. So Joe, uh, number one, where were the first Navajo Code Talkers? California. California. Shocking. Shocking. That's not where the res is. No, it's not. But it is the closest state to Japan, so. Oh. Well, isn't that a mighty fun fact? Yeah. Number two, what does Iwo Jima mean? Sulphur Island. Sulphur Island, yes. Kind of a random question, all things considered. Well, I think, I mean, yeah. It is relevant, clearly, but. Yeah, because it's the most. It's hard to see the, the connection before you listen to the episode. Sure. Um, and number three, true or false, 29 brave Navajo women and men joined the U.S. Marines to serve as the original Navajo code talkers. Uh, true. So it's actually false. Oh. Oh, no. It's actually false. Because, no. see, let me read it to you again and listen, because yeah. it's a trick. It's no men and women, right? It's just not. Men. There's no just women. Just men, It's of just course. men. Boo. I, no I was women? about to say. What was, is this all about? I was about to say to Why you, they let hey, Navajo women in there? Why didn't you list any famous Navajo exactly. women code talkers? Exactly. Because there was none. World War II. Yep. That's, that's you know, that was the, or no, that's, I'm... Uh, never mind oh okay well anyway it's false there were no lady navajo code talkers unfortunately although today yes you can find women who serve i mean native american women navajo women who serve in the u.s u.s military like our aunt yes yeah we have an aunt who does and i've met other people too who are also navajo and serve anyway great episode yeah um if you would like to find resources learning resources if you would like to find some classroom resources if you're a teacher looking for scaffolded notes if you want a timeline activity if you want to map out all the places that i just named in this episode on a map and develop your map skills visit our website www.cozyrainbow.org or our teachers paid teacher store and you will find some great printable activities some are free yeah i forgot to i forgot to say that free free learning resources for this episode if you would like to teach um, your class about Navajo code talkers. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at cozy rainbow NB. And if you are the age of 13 years or older, you can contact us or, you know, have a parent or guardian contact us, send us your artwork, your fan art, whatever it is. Maybe it's a creative challenge from a past episode. Our email address is cozy rainbow NB at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Yeah.